Before we get started, we wanted to tell you about the Dominique Foxworth Show. ESPN and Anscape contributed Dominique Foxworth's podcast is every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspectives on football as we get ready for the NFL draft, the personalities surrounding it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or things that you might. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen where you're listening to your podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my guy, Ryan Clark. We were off last week, so it feels so good to be back. We weren't just off. We were very busy. But coming up on the show, we're going to talk about the re- return of Jorge Masvidal. But before Can that, I ask a question? RC, come on. Talk to me. It's, yes, it's, yes, it's yes. DC and RC. The name of the show is DC and RC. That's what RC. I said. It's it's not just your show. Oh it's my god! Our show. Oh my god! Like you did, you it, you, I you did didn't say I was here. You did it again, and it's okay. It's it's fine, Man, bro. Is, that you forget me. I'm fried, like, my brother. It. I'm fried. I'm fried, my brother. I'm fried. I humbly apologize to you because at this point, <laughs> at this point, you're the A side of the show. I hate you to put my name at the back side. This need to be RC and DC going on. But guys, I'm sorry, RC. But as I was saying. We are going to talk about UFC 287, Jorge Masvidal returns. But before that, my boy RC sat down with the last stylebender last weekend and got his thoughts as he challenges Alex Pajeda for the middleweight championship of the world. And lastly, Ryan, it's already been 10 years of Conor McGregor in the UFC. Crazy. So we're going to look back at some of the biggest moments from Conor McGregor's career. But RC, looks a little different. Where are you? Uh, today because this does not look like Bristol and it does not look like the beautiful Clark uh, compound. So where is my boy at? Well, DC, it's like young boy said, it's a parade in my city and I am at LSU right now, brother. I am on Louisiana State University's campus, home of the 2023 NCAA Women's Basketball Champions. Bro, it's electric around here. I think you look at what Angel Reese and her team under Kim Mulkey were able to do in just Kim Mulkey's second year as the head coach. Two years ago, D.C., the women's basketball team was 9-13. and And for all the great things that LSU has done, they have never won a basketball championship, whether it be men's or women's. And so to go up there to beat Caitlin Clark and that great Iowa team that was extremely well coached, competitive, and tough as heck was a huge accomplishment. And we couldn't be more proud of the Lady Tigers. Every time I see Caitlin Clark, I keep thinking about Boosie. Larry Bird, come get your daughter. Because <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin Clark don't miss. Boosie's off. Larry Bird, come get your daughter. Hey, bro, I've bro, never seen. Lil bro, Boosie was. Boosie? In, Boosie was. <laughs> He cut down the nets in his own backyard, D.C. Bro, Boosie ain't go to college. He didn't go to college, D.C. Like, he didn't go to school here. Like, <laughs> Bro, Boosie, Boosie acting like he won a national championship. Yeah. Larry Bird, come get your daughter. Hey, bro, it was amazing to watch. And honestly, yeah. from afar, right, I don't live home. So seeing the excitement for Kim Mulkey, I was like, wow, well, Hopefully she can bring to LSU what she did at Baylor. And she did it faster than any of us could have ever imagined. So congratulations to the LSU Tigers on that championship because 
it was fast, and you could feel the momentum building. Yeah. And the entire state were behind these women as they went and accomplished something so great. But, R.C., I was also busy last week. I was in Los Angeles for WrestleMania 39, WrestleMania Hollywood, R.C. I had the time of my life, bro. I was able to sit with so many of the superstars from Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to Roman Reigns to Brock Lesnar. I did the only interview Brock Lesnar gave all week, bro. Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes. It was like, it was honestly a dream come true for me, a kid from Louisiana, to be able to be in that environment and to be treated in the way that the WWE treated me, and not only me, but everybody from ESPN. And it once again speaks, Ryan, Whoa. to... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know, dude. It, it once again speaks oh. to what ESPN is and what it brings to anything they cover. Dude, this is me with the giant Omos. I interviewed him for my YouTube channel. Ryan, I've never been around a person bigger because he's not fat. He's seven foot three, 416 pounds. He is a literal giant. And RC, I was looking at him in his chest, my brother. DC, why are his hands so big, bro? <laughs> Could you imagine like him in the in the slap in the slap league just around here oh, knocking people oh. whole face off? <laughs> hey, if it don't work out for Omas, if it oh don't work out God. for Omas. That dude needs to be in the slap championships. He would hurt somebody bad. Dude, I've never been around a bigger man. And honestly, I've never been around a person. DC, what the hell are you wearing? Oh, what the hell hey, are so you Brock wearing? wears flannel. No, so Brock wears flannel. So I wore a flannel shirt to interview Brock. Because, dog, Brock doesn't do interviews. So I put on the Brock Lesnar flannel to interview Brock Lesnar. It was crazy. Dog, I've Bro. known Brock for a long time. <laughs> you look like a little kid. You were so happy at WrestleMania, bro. I don't know if I've oh. ever seen an adult. You look like a kid at Disney World. I think it's amazing to see someone who is such an amazing and accomplished athlete get into a setting where you get to be a fan while doing your job, man. That was pretty dope. It was awesome. RC, let me tell you who's the bigger kid. George Kittle. George Kittle believes that the WWE is real. <laughs> Kittle still believes that everything is not scripted, bro. The way Kittle was acting, dog. We were arguing the entire night about the results of the matches. It was crazy. But, RC, the WWE WrestleMania was big news coming out of the weekend, but it wasn't the only big news. Because on, Sat on Sat WrestleMania Sunday, it was main evented by Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes, and everybody was there. So as I'm walking to go speak to my agent, I see Ari Emanuel. Ari Emanuel is the owner of the UFC, of the parent company, WME. He comes over, gives me a big hug. I had just heard the news. I go, what a guy. You bought this thing. And he kind of played me off because it wasn't public knowledge yet. But then yesterday, news broke that WWE has been bought by the UFC parent company, WME. It is worth $22 billion between the two. How big of a, a, a news, uh, how big, how newsworthy is this news that WME not only owns the UFC, but now they own the WWE? Well, I think it's, it's big news because you're talking about the UFC, which was synonymous with the name Dana White, but even more synonymous than that is WWE and Vince McMahon. And for WME Endeavor to now own both of those entities, it's truly a monopoly. 
right? There, there is, you know, in combat sports, there is no name like the UFC. And I believe when you look at professional wrestling, there is no name above the WWE. And so for both of those organizations to be under one um umbrella is, is really like, like if you put Bill Russell's Boston Celtics and Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls, Kobe Bryant's and Magic Johnson's Los Angeles Lakers all under one roof. And it's truly an amazing, uh, an amazing coup by WME Endeavor to now own both of these organizations. The reality is this. There are only two things, Ryan, that go year-round. It never stops. Mm -hmm. It's the UFC and it's the WWE. There is no off-season. So you right. can provide content the entire year over and over again. This is massive. Congratulations to Patrick White, to Ari Emanuel, and all the big, the big wigs over at WME Endeavor. Vince McMahon uh, for making this happen. So I'm excited to see what the future holds. But, Ryan, DC, before we you know, can get back oh. into – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I mean to cut you off. You know who should be excited? UFC fighters, right? If, if, if I'm fighting in the UFC and I now know that these two companies are at least paired in some way, that I will be in front of the same executives that make their picks or that have opportunities to give me chances in the WWE, I'm going to show my personality. I'm going to shake the right hands. I'm going to move in the right way. And so if you're thinking of the Conor McGregor's, who we'll speak of later in this show, uh, making his uh, getting to his 10th year anniversary in the UFC, also thinking about an Israel Adesanya who will fight this weekend in UFC 287, uh, to try to regain his belt. Those are names that are already household names and superstar, superstars in the sport of MMA. Then you look at people like the Ronda Rouseys who have made the smooth transition into being WWE stars. Now they're going to have guys who can make that jump. When you look at the current roster of the UFC, DC, who are some of those names that you could see one day in SoFi being a superstar and maybe having a WWE belt around their shoulders. You know, uh, in terms of becoming champion, it takes such a commitment. But, you know, you you named the guy. I think Israel Adesanya would, would fit perfectly. He's got the personality. He's got the swagger. He's got the ability to entertain. And ultimately, that is what wrestling is about. It's sports entertainment. They don't try to lie to you anymore. They don't try to call it yeah. a, a sport. It's sports yeah. entertainment. It's very apparent. I think Israel Adesanya, when you look at the Undertaker walkout, dude, Vince is very protective of those types of things. He was in the arena when Izzy did it. So it's it's uh, those worlds kind of came together, and it was Adesanya that was, who was at the forefront of it, and I believe that he would work very well within that type of system. But before he could do any of that, R.C., He's got to try to win that belt back this weekend. He's fighting at UFC 287, and he's fighting a man who has now come on record, Ryan, and said exactly why he came back to mixed martial arts in a Lex behavior that he has not been able to solve. He's lost three times to him over the course of two different combat arenas, once in MMA, twice in kickboxing. But now, Pajeda is more confident than ever. What does Edesanya have to do this weekend, RC, to try to get this done? You sat with him, so you kind of get an idea of DC, his mentality. I don't, 
I don't know, right? And and maybe I can say that, and and you can't, DC, because you are two division champ, because you are a UFC Hall of Famer. Maybe you have to give the fans of our show an actual answer, but I don't, DC, because I don't know. When you go back to the fight we saw recently, he almost had Alex out on his feet at the end of the first round. He dominates the rest of the fight. Going into the fifth round, we know that Alex has to get the KO, that he has to get the big finish, and he gets it. Israel Adesanya said to me himself, he has to have the understanding that Alex is never out of the fight, that he can always land that one big nuke, as Israel Adesanya pointed out to me. And so if you actually have that understanding, that awareness that I have dominated in fights against this man before, but I've never won. And this is exactly how Izzy put it, puts it to me. He said, I've been winning all of these fights until I wasn't. Think about that, DC, mm-hmm. that there will be no point if this fight goes 24 minutes and 50 seconds, there will, there will be no point that Israel Adesanya can be comfortable. There will be no point that if you're a fan watching at home, if you're in MIA, if you're in Miami, that you feel this is over if Israel Adesanya is winning. So I'll ask you, DC, what can he do or can he even beat Alex in this fourth fight? You know, I, I think he can. I think it he's proved time and time again that he has the ability. Um as he said, you know, if you start to put their fights in terms of uh, just the entirety of the fights, he has won the vast majority of those fights. He uh, was winning the fights on the scorecard before Pajeda finished him. He had got the early knockdown, or he hurt him very badly early. He was able to win the wrestling exchanges when they had him. So he's had success. He's had sustained success. What he has not had, though, R.C., is his hand raised at the end of the fight. And I wonder how much of a toll that plays on the mind of Israel Adesanya. Because you made a great point. It does not matter if there's 30 seconds left. Izzy could be winning the whole time. And you still wonder whether or not he will be able to get over the hump to get his hand raised. Because we've never seen it happen before. So he's got to be able to stay locked in. Because at no point can he take his foot off the gas. At no point Mm -hmm. can he let Pajeda lead in the fight. Because when Pajeda's the aggressor, we have seen time and time again that that is where he can find those shots that can put Adesanya out. Pajeda can take Adesanya's shots. He can last. He can survive. Adesanya has not shown that ability. And that's that's the other side of it, too. Think about the recovery that we were able to see from Alex in that, in that third fight uh, or the first fight in the UFC where he became the, the middleweight champion. You were almost out on your feet at the end of round one. You actually come out and fight well in round two. And so he's shown that he's able to recover whether he's in trouble against Israel Adesanya early or if it's late in the fight and he has to dig deep for that big-time knockout. And I think that that is a scary proposition for any fighter. I also think back to Kamaru Usman, who was knocked out in a similar fashion that 
Israel Adesanya was in his fight against Alex and how just after finding that way to win, Leon Edwards was so much better when we, fought, we saw the two men finish the trilogy in London. Does Alex come back in this fight and is just that much better now being the champion of the UFC, understanding that I can with... I can withstand everything Israel Adesanya can throw at me for four plus rounds and still find a way to finish him. For a fan, right? For us that, that, are, that are watching, that are outside the octagon, that, that, that gives us great tension throughout the entire fight. But we also have to understand what that does for Israel Adesanya if he does feel like he's winning this fight, yet his opponent is still standing. DC, from... The champion's side of it, in his point of view, what are things, though, you think he needs to improve on from their first matchup inside the octagon so he's not in the same position headed into the fifth round that we saw him last fight? You know, RC's just got to be a little bit more aggressive early. He's got to put Edesanya on his heels. But if, if what Teddy Atlas said in regards to Leon Edwards, that he's 30% better we got to think that Alex is going to be even better, RC. You know why? Because the guy who's only had eight MMA fights. We are, we are honestly talking about a kind of a novice in the game. He's not a guy that has been around forever. He's won four UFC fights, and he's the UFC middleweight champion. This is not a weight class that's easy. This is not a weak weight class. This is a very difficult weight class, and this guy sits atop it in only four UFC fights. So you got to think he'll be even better. But he's got to be able to go forward earlier, make Adesanya react to him earlier, while not giving Adesanya too many counter opportunities. Because Adesanya is a tremendous counter striker. So he's got to be a little careful in that regard, but he's got to get his foot on the gas a little sooner, RC. He's got to make Adesanya react to him because that's what he did. He got Izzy because he found a way to trap Izzy against the side of the octagon, and then he just mm -hmm. unloaded. That's how he yeah. won the championship. He's got to do that a little bit sooner, and if he does, hell, dude might find a way to get him out of there earlier because he has shown an ability to do it at some point. Could you imagine the fatigue he was feeling in round five? Imagine if he gets those shots yeah. going in round one. The dude is 230-pound monster yeah. that fights 185 pounds. He's a beast. He's a, a fantastic fighter, and he's a guy that's honestly just getting started. Yeah, he, he is just getting started, and you'd have to think, though, starting late against Israel Adesanya was also partly because of Israel Adesanya's greatness, his ability to strategize, his ability to use the entire octagon. And his leg was compromised by some of the leg kicks from the champion, and he saw some of that take its toll in that fifth round. DC, from a, can you explain to us, having fought Stipe after losing to him, having fought John Jones again after a loss as well, as a guy who is the elite of the elite, what is your mindset going into a fight where you're not just having like the general knowledge that you can lose anytime stepping into the octagon, you know the opponent across the octagon or across the cage from you does have the skill and the capability to beat you. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch at your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-order stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U S and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dcrc. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash dcrc now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dcrc. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You know, Adesanya will never be more prepared because when you lose to someone and you get an opportunity to run it back as an athlete, Ryan, you know it. 
You're more motivated than you ever could have imagined. You're more focused. You work harder in the training. You do everything right. Thing is, that doesn't ensure that you're going to win. It doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to get the job done. And that is the tough pill. There's a stat out there that I think maybe ESPN MMA posted a while back. Guys who lose their belt and get immediate rematches are like 2-35 and 35 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult thing to try and recapture a championship when you just lost one. But Israel Adesanya is a guy that started off his career in tremendous fashion. But as Pajeda said the other day, it was Izzy's words that motivated him to come back. He said he was in a bar, and as as I told you before, Adesanya said he's going to be the guy in that bar talking about, I used to beat him. He said he felt challenged. And because he felt challenged, he got back in the MMA. And ultimately, he's our champion now. But he's got to defend. And he's got a tough task ahead of him this weekend at UFC 287. But that's not the only rematch uh, or the only comeback that we're looking forward to. Gamebred Masvidal is back this weekend against Gilbert Burns. He has not been in the octagon for a while. He lost to Colby Covington last. But with the change at the top of the division, he's got a renewed focus because now with his history with Leon Edwards, he wins. He could be looking at a title shot. What do you expect from Gamebred after all this time away? Because he could be better, a much improved version, or he could look much different because we have seen that. We have seen guys come back and look amazing. We also saw Nick Diaz come back and not look like the guy that we knew from before. What version of Game Bread do you think we'll see this weekend? You know, DC, I think it's a lot different from what we saw with Nick Diaz and his extensive layoff. When you're Jorge Masvidal and you work your way into opportunities to fight Kamaru Usman, then you're knocked out by Kamaru, and then you fight a guy like Kobe Covington, who many thought for the longest time in the welterweight division he was 1B to Kamaru Usman's 1A. Those are all very difficult fights. I think what he has to figure out is, is he kind of the Corey Sandhagen of the welterweight division. Is he a guy that can get to the mountaintop or get those opportunities against the best in the weight division but not necessarily be give good enough? And you have to look at Gilbert Burns as a guy that's in that conversation as well. I think we'll get the best Jorge Masvidal that we've seen since his streak of dramatic wins that put him in position to have that opportunity to fill in and fight against Kamaru Usman. I think he'll be great on his feet. I think he'll be aware of the jiu-jitsu of Gilbert Burns. And I also believe that he'll be motivated. He knows if he wins this fight, it doesn't matter what number is inside of the parentheses before his name, that Leon Edwards wants him. And that the UFC makes the fight that makes the most sense. The UFC makes the fight that makes the most noise. And most importantly, the UFC makes the fight that makes the most money. And by beating Gilbert Burns, putting himself in that conversation, he will be a very viable option to get that next chance. I expect to see a very good Jorge Masvidal, D.C., but we can't overlook Gilbert Burns, who has been in that championship conversation and is aiming to get back. What's at stake for Gilbert Burns in this matchup against Jorge? You know, RC, I think, honestly, it depends on what type of fight Dorino wants to fight. Because if Gilbert Burns decides to fight a fight where 
he wants to show he's better in every facet of MMA, he could make it tough on himself because then he'll be standing with game bread. But if Dorino goes out there and he fights in the way that he fought Neil Magny, where he uses his wrestling, where he uses his grappling, you can start to see why he's such a massive favorite going into the fight. But if he goes out there and he stands, just stands with game bread, he could find himself in some trouble. But he also is putting himself in position. No, I mean, Kamaru Usman losing that belt, Ryan, was so good for just about everybody at 170 pounds. Because even though he lost to Hamza Chimaev two fights ago, it doesn't matter because he's still viable because now you have a new champion. It's not a situation where he's trying to get a rematch with a guy that finished him within two rounds. He's in there trying to fight a guy that none of them have had contact with outside of Bilal Muhammad. But ultimately, right. even though he's fr- he lives there, ultimately, though, even though he lives there, it's about game-bred Miles Vidal making his return. And he was walking with Brett Okamoto the other day, driving with Brett Okamoto, and he said he's very excited about fighting at home in Miami. He's very excited about putting on for the city that he loves. And he's very excited about trying to cash in on an opportunity that may, it'll put him in line. Because we talk about yeah. what makes the most money. Him and Colby Covington, I think, are like right here in terms of a valuable title fight for Leon Edwards. It'll put Masvidal on the same wavelength. But ultimately, dude, he's a massive underdog to Dorino Gilbert Burns. And he should be. And you know what else? You know what else this does for, for me? I love the fact that Gilbert Burns is turning down zero smoke, bro. He doesn't care who you are. If you're a Hamzat Chemaev, if you're Neil Magny, he'll fight down, he'll fight up. He is one of those fighters that to me is demonstrating by his willingness to step into the octagon that he wants another championship and he doesn't care how it comes. It's it's very strange these days that guys are trying or working to get title fights by not fighting. That doesn't make sense. And I believe Gilbert Burns has totally taken the, taken the opposite approach of I'm going to get in there every single time I need to. And this fight favors Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns and what he was able to do against Neil Magny showed me that he's not caring about style points. He doesn't care about what the people say, whether they boo, whistle, or whatever the hell they do. He's going after wins. And that's going to be what Jorge Masvidal has to be extremely aware of aware of that Gilbert Burns is going to pressure him. Gilbert Burns is going to attempt to take him down. He's going to attempt to punish him. He's going to attempt to tire him out, use his strength advantage against Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal has to be strategic, but he has to be aggressive. And to me, that's the best Jorge Masvidal we get. So I expect fireworks from this. And the other thing people got to be aware of, DC, it's one thing to be from a place it's another thing to be of a place, right? Like like when they used yeah. to always say about Christians, you are in the world, but you ain't of the world. Meaning that the world ain't in your soul. Miami is in Jorge Masvidal's soul, bro. Jorge Masvidal is like to the UFC what Udonis Haslam is to the NBA when it comes to yes. the 305. Yes. And so when he steps into that octagon, those dudes are going to be behind him. Those ladies are going to cheer for him. And when you're a fighter who is emotional, I think that plays a large part in that. How much does him being at home help him against Gilbert? I think it propels him. 
I think the, the the pride of being the pride of that city in our sport, dude, that is a great comparison to Udonis Haslam. I mean, the Heat would not let Udonis Haslam go anywhere. He's like a player coach, essentially. Game bread is that same thing to the UFC in terms of Miami. So I feel like they will propel him. I think he's got to be ready, though. This is one instance where the lower-ranked guy carries the cachet. So for Gilbert Burns, while he does fight back, this is one instance in where he's fighting back to fight for something bigger. Because beating game-bred Masvidal at this point in your career means more than just beating a guy that might be in front of you but carries much less name recognition and name value because what Burns needs is that big win that will propel him and raise his star quality to allow him to go, hey, why can't I fight the new champion, Leon Edwards, opposed to one of these other guys? It's 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 a very interesting dynamic going into this fight because I feel like both are on the verge, but I think it matters more to Masvidal. He has to win if he wants to even mm-hmm. stay relevant in what is yeah. a very stacked welterweight division. Ryan, we always talk about star power and star quality and star ability and cachet. We use all these words to try to explain what someone is to a sport. One word we will always use when we talk about this next man is superstar. Conor McGregor has been an absolute superstar, megastar. He's been so much to the UFC in a long, uh, over a long career, but it's really been a short time. Ten years is nothing. For someone to have the impact that Conor has had in 10 years is amazing. Ryan, I know you're a big Conor McGregor fan. Yeah. He made his debut in April of 2013. Did you ever expect that he would be this? He's one of the richest people in the world, one of the most successful athletes of all time. It's been 10 years. When you look back on Conor McGregor's journey, what do you think? I think that Conor McGregor has redefined what it means to be a superstar of MMA you know they've had the Chuck Liddell's you've had the George St. Pierre's you've also had the Anderson Silva the John Jones the Daniel Cormier's uh Brock Lesnar was a little bit different because he came over already having a certain level of star power but none of those guys were to the UFC or to mixed martial arts what Conor McGregor was not Ronda Rousey not any of those people that I've had the, you know, that I was able to name before speaking on Connor, there was no predicting that he could be this because there was no blueprint. You know, success yeah. leaves success leaves footprints. And a lot of times you try to walk in those footsteps. You can't walk in Connor's footsteps. There will not be another one of these dudes. You know, they say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. He was prepared and he got the opportunities because he made them. And those opportunities were made because he was different, DC. The way he set up a fight was different. That left hand was different. His ability to move and maneuver business-wise was different. And I would venture to say even his understanding of effing it up the right way is different, right? Like throwing, throwing whatever the, that little thing is at the bus when Habib was on there. That was the, the, the dolly. Thanks, Jake. Throwing the dolly was different, Man. right? Because when you look at who Connor was, it all made sense. 
there was never a movement by Connor where you go, uh, I can't see Connor doing that. Everything was on brand and it made him the most sought after, lively superstar the UFC has ever seen. Maybe it, it, it didn't, it never felt, uh, it, like you said, it never felt like it was something just random. It felt like yep. he was always moving with a purpose from the moment he got into the UFC. Now, they flashed a billboard up there, uh, Ryan, at the start of the Conor McGregor conversation. And Conor McGregor has headlined more UFC pay-per-views since 2015 outside of anyone except him and I, right? It's me and him at number nine. But there's a very stark difference between Conor McGregor and I being tied for headlining the most pay-per-view UFC events of 2015. You don't sell what Conor McGregor sold. I didn't sell what Conor McGregor sold because you didn't have that thing. You didn't have that ability to draw people in in the way that Conor McGregor drew people in. I was at the WWE the other day, and there was an Irish guy uh, that wrestles Finn Balor, was just praising heaps and heaps of praise for Conor McGregor. He just loved him, and that is what he did. He drew out this thing in people that made them pay attention. And honestly, for all the, the missteps, Conor McGregor's gotten everything that he has earned and deserved in his time in the UFC. And not only that, he has elevated, Ryan, two of my best friends, two of the guys that I love, that I appreciate in this sport more than anyone. He has elevated Habib to a megastar. And he has elevated Dustin Poirier to a level yeah. of stardom that Dustin never could have imagined getting before. So not only does he help Himself, he helps the guys that he shares the octagon with, especially the ones that could beat him. But, Ryan, when we start looking on anniversaries, we kind of start to think of how do we make a list of things that describes this person? So we're doing our top five Conor McGregor UFC moments. RC, the floor is yours, my boy. Uh, number one that comes to mind, no, number five that comes to mind for me, DC, is the Mendez fight. Right, because remember that was the time. Even though Mendez took it on short notice, it was okay. He's fighting against a wrestler, and Chad Mendez is going to take him down. Chad Mendez is going to keep the pressure on, and he actually got the takedown early. And I was like, "Oh no, he's going to lose." He gets up, he has the cut on his eye. He shakes his head. He's like, "All right, come on." And then you see the onslaught of the punches. Eventually, gets the TKO. And now number four for me would be what we saw between him and Nate Diaz, right? To have those fights against Nate Diaz, to go up to 170, to be winning extremely early and then get choked out in the first fight. And then to say, you know what? Let's run it back. Right? Let's run it back against the Stockton boy and have that fight go again, go to the decision, and Conor McGregor win it. It showed that he wasn't running from a challenge and that he was going to fight another one of the great superstars in the MMA, and he had a level of heart that he hadn't shown yet in the UFC. Number three for me is going to be, and I apologize to absolutely nobody. I don't really care about the fight, right? I don't care that he became the double champ. That wasn't it. It was the fact that afterwards he was like, I'm unapologetic about the way I do it, no matter what you have to say. Number two for me is going to be the left hand that shocked the world in 13 seconds against Jose Aldo. That was, that was the moment. Um, with the personality, with the skill, everything. If that left hand doesn't land the way it does, the left hand by Jose Aldo probably knocks him out. 
But for Conor McGregor to say precision beats power every time and to deliver in that manner was totally different. And at number one, it's the fact that he duped us all enough to think that he actually stood a chance against Money Mayweather. And we <laughs> bought it. And we believed it. And because of him, we now watch Logan Paul fight. Because of him, we now watch Jake Paul fight. Because of Conor McGregor. And standing up there with Floyd Mayweather, we thought to ourselves, Floyd Mayweather, the biggest star in boxing, is standing across from someone that we believe is his equal and he had never boxed a day in his life professionally. That's number one for Conor McGregor. I feel like Ric Flair. ARC. Hey, that was a good list. That was a good list because I forgot about the Nate Diaz trilogy, and I didn't even put the, I didn't even put the Mayweather trilogy on there. But you're right. He was unapologetic about his greatness. He was like, I'm great. So You're going to just have to deal with it. All right, here's my top five. At number five, flash it on the bottom, guys, because I did not lift, list them. At number five, I got the Diego Brondau fight in Dublin. You remember he was just starting, and you mm -hmm. saw, like, wow, this kid yeah, has something. He went there. He got the fight. He was able to elevate not only himself, but he brought a region of the world that we hadn't seen. We had not yep. been in Ireland. We had not seen how excited they would get to watch him fight. That was number five. At number four, this to me was some of the funniest stuff I ever seen in my life. When Jeremy <laughs> Stevens goes, hey, dog, dog, when Jeremy <laughs> Stevens goes, <laughs> he's up, right, right. <laughs> Bro, and I don't know why, I don't know why we got it bleeped out, because we should just spell it F-O-O-K, because that's what he said. Bro, that joke was right. so funny. Right. He, <laughs> he goes, knew who he was. Who, he, he goes, who is dead? <laughs> he had no clue. He had no clue who he was. Like, that's what made it funny, bro. He was dead serious. He had no clue who bro was. That's a that's a that's one I forgot, DC. That's a great moment. That's a great moment, bro. He said, "Who the f is that guy?" He goes, "Who is that?" Like he literally did not know who he was. Fuck, it was the best. Um, okay, I'm close myself. At number three, bro, you remember in Boston when Dominic Cruz came back and he beat. Uh, when he lost to T.J. Dillashaw, or he beat T.J. Dillashaw yep. for the belt, Conor McGregor yep. was on the prelims. He was the main prelim fight. One thing very true about main events, the lights go out, you get that main event walk. Conor got that on the prelims, bro. The prelims. I didn't, the dude got I didn't the even main, know that. Dog, right, he... Right, he got the main event walk, bro. They turned out all the lights. His song hit, and the place went bananas. Conor McGregor got a main event walkout for a main prelim fight, dog. That was crazy. And then he went out there and delivered. At number two, I got the Chad Mendez. I got the Chad Mendez fight. I got that one. Because it was the first time he held a championship in his career. And you mm. got to remember, you remember Conor was like just kind of coming into his own. He had that long hair. He looked like he yep. was just like just living life. And he goes out there and he finishes Chad Mendez to become the interim champion. And at number one, I got the Jose Aldo knockout. Because as you said, 
if he doesn't knock out Jose Aldo in that moment, in that way, it doesn't really matter all that he says. Because it was the first time that we had seen him in a situation where you really thought he was going to lose. Because I kind of yep. thought he would beat Chad Mendes because I didn't think Chad was in shape. I thought that he would beat all those other guys. Brandall. I thought he would beat, uh, Max, he beat uh, Dennis Max. Siever and he all them dudes. Dustin. Yeah, yeah, I had no doubt. Yeah, I had no doubt because at the time, you thought that he would beat those guys. They were all super young now, Max and Dustin. But you thought Connor held the advantage in those fights. But in the Aldo fight, for all we knew about Jose Aldo, the greatness, how annoyed he was with Conor McGregor, yeah. we thought he was going to punish this brash Irishman. And then he knocked him out in 14 seconds. And the world was turned on its axis. And the world really became his in that night. On that night, it was Conor McGregor's world. That's my list. I know it was a DC. little more silly, but that's my list. No, that's a great list. And DC, you know what else we missed? Conor McGregor what? is the only UFC fighter to ever have smoke on a walkout. Conor McGregor had yeah, smoke did. on yeah, his walkout against Habib. That was Habib. against Habib. That was against Habib. That was a sick walkout. Like, Bro, that's, it was the greatest, that's that was the greatest walkouts ever. Bro, it was the greatest walkouts yeah. ever because I remember when Habib got to the top of the stairs and he's got that song and he kind of did this. Bro, you should have heard the booze. It was the craziest. The, the, dy- the dynamic between Connor's walk to Habib's walk, me and Kamar Usman are just yelling at Habib, let's go, Habib. But, bro, you couldn't even hear us because it was a sh- it was a chorus of boos when he hit that. But he hit the top step. The light hit him perfectly because it came on, and he did this, and it was all the boos. Go back and watch Habib's walkout for that fight, Ryan. You're going to love it. Hey, but we got to tap in the tap out our Sorry, Let's As get always, it. You got to get to the parade, my guy. You got to get to the parade. All right, guys, <laughs> following his win over Cheeto Vera a few weeks ago, Corey Sanhagen called out Marab for a number one contenders match. RC, tap in or tap out on Marab versus Sanhagen? I tap in on it, and you have to tap in on it because it seems that Marab won't fight Aljermaine Sterling. And so if you're Corey Sanhagen and you're trying to get back into that conversation, we've obviously seen what Marab has done over his last few fights, which has positioned him with this opportunity to be number one. Like, you have to make the fight. I think the only other fight you could make would be the Sean O'Malley fight. But the way I see the UFC maneuvering, I know they won't put Sean O'Malley up against a guy who refuses to fight for the championship. So I believe Corey Sanhagen versus Marab is the thing to do it's a fun fight oh you get you guys caught me you guys caught me burping a little bit off air but like uh, <laughs> it's it's a fun fight <laughs> it's a fun fight but rc i would tap in on it but i don't know like i'm just it's like sometimes i get these like real strange feelings that that's not what's gonna happen i think that it's gonna be something different from a robin I think it'll be something different for Corey Sanhagen. I can't. DC. I can't. DC. I don't know what. DC, you're lying. You're lying. You, you're lying. What you mean? Because what you're what doing you is you're going to do that. You're going to do that because somebody has already told you something that is very, sh- very sure, right? That's about to happen. And then you're going to ask Jake or Air or somebody, Sean, to get the film of you saying that, 
right? And be like, guys, do no, you remember no, no, no. when I predicted two weeks ago that something would be different from a Rob and Corey Sanhagen? And then we got to play it. But somebody's already told you, DC, and I'm sick and tired of you lying to the people. <laughs> so, Corporate Jake, just give us the next one because we already know what's happening. All right, on to the next one. <laughs> Middleweight champion Alex Pereira has a new look heading into his rematch versus Adesanya. He is channeling his inner Chuck Liddell, sporting the infamous Mohawk. DC, tap in or tap out. Pereira's Mohawk is better than the Iceman's. No, no, I, I tap in on the Mohawk. I don't think it's better than the Iceman. You don't beat the original, right? Chuck had the original yeah. Mohawk. And here, here, here's why I love Chuck. Chuck is still committed to the Mohawk. Even at an advanced age, he's still rocking it's the signature. Mohawk, right? You got to be a courageous man. That's a signature. And Alex, uh, look, look, I love Alex wearing the Mohawk. I love him paying homage, but I would prefer him get back to himself. You can't be playing around like that, man. You cannot. This ain't a game, Ryan. Mohawks and haircuts, you you got to be locked in and ready to go defend your championships. I tap in on him paying respects, but uh, Chuck Liddell has the greatest Mohawk of all time. Yeah, I tap in on him paying respect. It's also eerie how much I feel like they look alike. In this picture, though, that is really, really weird. But right now, I'm going to think, I'm, I'm going to say to myself, I tap in on it, but I think he better be focused on fighting Izzy. Hi, guys, last one. Ahead of UFC 287, Israel Adesanya took the mound for the Miami Marlins and threw out the opening pitch. Back in 2019, our own DC threw out the first pitch for the Angels. RC, tap in or tap out, Izzy had a better first pitch than DC. You know what? I'm not going against my guy, DC. I, you can tell his shoulders a little jacked up from all the wrestling and all the punches thrown, but DC had the better pitch, so I'm tapping out on that. I'm not going against my dude for Israel Adesanya, even as big of a fan as I am. Yeah, I tap out. I tap out. You know what I'm saying, RC? Plus, I had them jean shorts rocking with the Angels <laughs> jersey and the hat backwards. I mean, come on, man. Look, Bro, at, I got the Jordans on, RC. I got the Can we not on? talk about your jorts? Can we not talk about your jorts, though? Because no, I, like I don't know thing, who actually – who wears their socks like that, D.C.? You're an adult man I always in do. tube socks. That's, I don't, I I don't like it, I always wear tube DC. socks, Ryan. You also wear ankle too, socks, Ryan? I do wear ankle – I wear no-show socks. D.C., I don't think people understand how big Mike Trout is, though. Mike Trout yes. is not a little big. man, bro. Hey, he is not a little dude. <laughs> you look Bro, like a Mike tiny Trout little arms. <laughs> Mike Trout arms is like somebody pumped arm inside of his arm <laughs> to make the muscular arms of Mike Trout. Mike, Mike Trout, one of the biggest dudes, dog. He's massive, bro. He's massive, RC. Guys, every week, me and Ryan are back here Tuesday on YouTube, ESPN2 at midnight Eastern, and wherever you get your podcast, RC. I hate it not getting to do the show with you next last week, but we're back at it. Off to Miami for me and RC. There you go. Floor's yours, my guy. Hey, man. It was a great show. I was glad to have you back, brother. It was a great weekend for us here at LSU and also for you at WWE WrestleMania. Listen, stay tuned right now, guys. We have Israel Adesanya coming up. We're going to ask him all the important questions. What's his mindset? How can he win? And is there any fear in fighting against Alex for the fourth time in his career? Y'all don't tap out. Always tap in. This is DC and RC. I'm Ryan. That's my man, Daniel. We'll holla at y'all next week. Here with Israel Adesanya.
uh, ahead of his much anticipated fourth fight against Alex Pereira. And Izzy, you know, we got an opportunity to speak before the third fight, and you had this ultimate confidence because of certain things you saw in the first two fights against Alex. What things can you take from the first four rounds of your guys' trilogy fight to bring into this fight with confidence? What things can I take? Um, I was dominating. I was winning the fight in every exchange, the stand-up and the ground. Yeah. Um, he just, he recovers very well. That's something that I definitely didn't expect was his recovery. Because um, I, I put I put the beating on him. I, I hurt him. I um, got him tired, but he recovered very well and was able to close the show. So that's something I can definitely take away from the last fight in our first four rounds. After we talked, I talked to Kamaru before he fought Leon in their fight in London, and he was saying some similar things about what he felt throughout the first four rounds. And then we watched Leon make some adjustments in order to not be in that same position. What adjustments do you think they'll be trying to make to fight you better throughout the first four rounds in Alexis camp? I'm sure they worked on their takedown defense. I'm sure they worked on, you know, their wrestling and also their striking because that's what they're good at. So, yeah, um, they're they're a good team. They have good, like, Glover on their side. So, yeah, I'm sure they're taking care of all bases. The one thing I like that, that you have said is because you've been to the mountaintop. You're one of the best mixed martial artists that have ever lived to me going to be a UFC Hall of Famer you said this is about beating Alex it's not necessarily about getting your belt back what about him has sort of puzzled you not just being able to recover from you almost putting him out at the end of round one or the same way you were beating him in kickboxing what has been hardest to solve about the puzzle that is Alex Pereira in your first three fights? Finding a way to avoid that shot, no matter how he sets it up. He throws it 10 times. I have to, I have to dodge it 10 times. I have to block it 10 times. I have to counter it 10 times. Finding a way, not nine times, then leaving one, one chance because you can't leave one chance with him. So yeah, I'd say finding a way to avoid that that nuke every so do yeah how do you know uh, i'm not a fighter bro and there's a reason i'm not a fighter because i'm not letting folks punch me in my face you know that's just that's just not something i'm prepared to do how do you mentally continue to come back continue to feel like you can win this fight against him especially with the way he's found ways late to land like you said to land that nuke how can you continue to be so confident that you can go out and beat this dude? Because I know, dude, fuck all the bullshit. He and I, he and I know, like, fuck the fans, the reporters, all that, but he and I know exactly what I can do to him. I know what he can do to me, you know? Um, each time I fought him, I'm, I'm always winning till I'm not. So if, if it was like, say, he just beat my ass from bell to bell then yeah, I wouldn't I mean I'd probably still be this confident I'd probably still talk but like yeah it's it's not being the case I'm always beating them I'm always dominating him until he finds that way to win 
So that gives me a challenge. I like, I, like, I love challenges and it gives me a challenge to rise to the occasion. And exa- example, this weekend, it gives me an opportunity to remind and show people how great I am. And I love being in this position because not everybody can be in this position and thrive. I can. You know, you had, you had that, that kind of Floyd Mayweather thing where, and, and Anderson got to this point as well, to where you guys were so good, so dominant. There were as many people tuning in to see you lose as there were to see you win. And now that the, the belt has been taken away, we've seen you lose in the middleweight division. And, that, and those things might have changed. How are you feeling going and headed to Miami, feeling the arena will be behind you? I don't need that behind me. Uh, I just go, I got me and my team behind me, my people behind me. That's all I need. Um, I can be in any, I can fight this fight in Brazil. It wouldn't make a difference. All that is energy. There's energy I can use to feel me, especially when I'm in that cage and I can hear that. I can feel the energy in the arena and say something. Yeah. Take me, take me a little bit through your thought process when he does land the first big punch in the fifth round. Uh, you move to your right. You kind of trip. You know, you're trying to bob and get out of the way. At that point, when you're inside the octagon, are you just thinking about how to survive? Or are you still feeling like you have a chance to win that fight? Uh, oh, I knew I could win that fight. So he had the onslaught he was throwing. And I was taking care of myself, getting hit with some shots. When I stumbled, it was because of my leg, which he caused to be compromised early on in the fight. Um, it wasn't from being rocked or anything. So mm-hmm. you can see like, when the fight got stopped, I was like, yo, ref, I'm, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Um, same ref even for his teammate Glover against Jamal Hill. Damn, Glover almost got killed. Yeah. yeah. Same referee. So I'm like, why you give him all that chance to try and fight back? But, you know, he's in the moment. Things are happening. It, it's hard to kind of like gauge what's happening when you see a guy stumble from a, from, from a leg, you know, trip. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, in that moment, I was just like, okay, keep moving. Don't stay stagnant. Keep moving and count on when you're ready or when it's time. We feel it. But um, yeah, I never got the opportunity to. What does, you know, you mentioned early on, you mentioned about like avoiding that shot and every fight you've been winning until you weren't. As a fighter, what does that do to your attention to detail throughout the whole 25 minutes it's if it's take if it takes that you're such a skilled dude and you're a dude that strategizes and understands the fight the fight game so much but you knew at that point you were winning and mm-hmm. you're coming out of the corner which you always stay you're coming out of the corner and it's like okay I know I have to survive this round but I still want to win this round knowing that Alex is a guy who can strike at any time from a strategy standpoint what does that do for you in saying okay always be always be moving, always be paying attention? And does it instill any fear that you can never relax? No, never fear. No fear. I don't fear no one. But I was thinking when I was coming out for the fifth round, stay focused, keep moving, and just keep active. Keep active. That was my main thing. Um, but yeah, it wasn't anything about trying to survive the round. I was finding the shot. I wanted to put him away, even in the fifth round. I mean, I, I'm dangerous every second of every fight. You've seen me in the history of my fighting career. I can pull people away 
at the last second at the buzzer of the first round or at the buzzer of the fifth round. I've mm-hmm. done that done that before as well. So yeah. Um I just stay I'm dangerous every second of every fight. And I want to stay dangerous and focused every second of this fight. You know, Izzy, in in these fights where a champion loses his belt and he gets the immediate rematch, a lot of times those fights favor the new champion. And those guys get their hand raised. I interviewed Leon and Leon, you know, you guys got the same manager. Leon was like, yeah, when you get the belt, you're already a certain percentage better than you were before having it. What what will it take from Israel Adesanya to leave this octagon hearing a new champion of the middleweight division? Stay true to myself. Stay true to my style and remind people how great I am. Because we live in this goldfish era, we will forget exactly what's happened in my history because people forget. This is what it is. Um, I don't blame them. It's human nature. But it takes me just staying true to myself, staying true to my team, staying true to my values as a man and as a fighter. That's when I get. That's what's going to get the job done this weekend. Izzy, what would you say to a fan or to someone who analyzes the fight game that says, they don't have a goldfish memory in a sense of forgetting your history, that the history they remember is 0-3 against the man you'll be facing on Saturday night. I don't keep scores. I settle them. Well, bro, other than that, man, I have no questions. The The last thing I'll say is everybody's excited to see you back in the Omega. I think a ton of us believe you are the better fighter. And like you said, you've been winning until you get caught. You have an opportunity to to make history again as a fighter in the middleweight division, as a fighter in mixed martial arts, but especially in the UFC. We look forward to watching you do your thing, brother. Best of luck. And uh, on this side, I hope I get to sit here and new champ. My man, I appreciate that, Ryan. And you will. I guarantee you. Thank you.